Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists, and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview Ronnie Tsunami, a speaker and learning solution architect in North Carolina who helps leaders and organizations to accelerate the growth of their world-changing movements. Originally from Honolulu, Hawaii, over the past 25 years, Ronnie's innovative solutions have been implemented in more than 10,000 academic institutions, companies, and enterprise organizations around the world, including Microsoft, the U.S. Air Force, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, the Office of the Secretary of Defense, Time Warner Cable, and Plant Pure Nation. In addition, Ronnie's helped to build online and local support communities with millions of members in over 400 cities around the world in the fields of IT, business and health and wellness. The president and CEO of Change Leader Solutions, Ronnie is a big advocate of the plant-based lifestyle. He earned a certificate in plant-based nutrition from E. Cornell University and is the co-founder of the Plant-Based Society, an organization that provides resources and education on the plant-based lifestyle. In this interview, Ronnie talks about how to build your list and generate income from holding online virtual summits, what's involved in running an online virtual summit and how far ahead you should plan, the kinds of technology needed to run an online summit, how many speakers are ideal for online summits, and when and how to do the interviews, what to put in place to make it easy for your speakers to share information about the summit, how to repurpose content from online summits to create additional products, income streams, and marketing material, What to do after the online summit is finished to maximise long-term income and brand awareness, and much more. Here's the interview with Ronnie Tsunami of Change Leader Solutions. Hello, Ronnie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Aloha. Hi, Katrina. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really, really happy to speak with you because uh, just for the listeners, you know, Ronnie and I have sort of known one another. Uh, we've never actually met in person, but, you know, it's one of those relationships where you've, you're friendly on ni- online and you feel like you know one another. But uh, it's been really good to have you on the show because I know you're very experienced with helping entrepreneurs and now vegan and plant-based entrepreneurs and you've got a whole uh, good skill set. So we're going to talk particularly today about community building and online summits because I know those are things that you've you've got in common and we'll touch on some other things as well. But my question, um, as I, I always begin with when I ask uh, entrepreneurs this, I kick off with this question, is why? So what's your why for doing what you do? Because I believe that's our mission in life, to create a better world, you know, one that's filled with self-compassion for ourselves and for others, including animals, our planet, and ultimately future generations. You know, in, in Hawaii, we say you live aloha, you live life to the fullest, you learn from your mistakes and your wins and you share those lessons with others so that's my why just I love that I really love that I always I really like asking that question because I get so many different responses and and people are and sometimes the theme is similar but people articulate it very differently and I I love the way you you shared that and a a great lesson now you wear a lot of hats or you've you've worn a lot of hats and continue to in in the past so at the moment I believe your focus you can correct me if I'm wrong is on helping people become uh, leaders to create positive change in the world is that right Yes. So, you know, we we talk about change makers all the time. So, you know, change makers are people who want to change the world. They have a mission to help others succeed. 
but what are change leaders? Change leaders are those who want to help others become change makers and to lead them and influence them. So that's really been a key part of what I've been doing lately in helping change makers to transform into change leaders. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hope and inspiration being sold by gurus uh, that are willing to sell you a book or a coaching program, but ultimately you're left on your own. And, and seeing that frustrated me because I could see so many people, how should we say, almost depressed. You know, like they walk in wanting to change the world, they have an idea, and the next thing you know, they feel like they're left alone, they give up, and their solution never gets out there where they could have changed the world. So I wanted to focus more on implementation, where we provided people processes, platforms like technologies, uh, and even other people to help them actually do something, go bigger, go faster, as I like to say, tsunami style. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. I love the way you've weaved that into your whole name um, as, as well, which is, is fantastic. And that sounds great. I think yeah, that that really makes a lot of sense that you, you're right. You know, people, people do want to change the world, but um, yeah, actually helping people to sort of step into their power and as you say, become leaders, uh, they do need that support. So it's fantastic that you're, you're putting your skill set there. So let's talk a little bit about um, community building because this is obviously really important. And I know through your work that you did with Plant Pure, um, you built or you helped to build a global uh, community around this brand, like really big a global community. So can you talk us through sort of a little bit about how you went about that uh, so that, and how the vegan businesses can do that? Sure. You know, I was very fortunate um, to work with a passionate team of change makers and change leaders at Plant Pure. And therein lies the key in doing it as a team, not by yourself. In fact, um, Nelson Campbell, who's the son of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, a co-author of the China Study, um, and Nelson's also the CEO of Plant Pure, he had the vision uh, of helping people all around the world to uh, basically live a healthier, whole food, plant-based lifestyle uh, where, you know, you could reverse 14 of our top 15 chronic diseases, uh, and that was sustainable, where you didn't have to kill animals, that you could help the earth. Um, and so that was the vision that I adopted. And so really Nelson and the team at Plant Pure, when I, when I arrived at Plant Pure, helped me to see the mission, which was the brand. When your mission is there, and let me think about it, the name Plant Pure is the brand and the name uh, unto itself often explains the mission. Um, key here was to have credibility, authenticity, and visibility. I always focus on those three things. And um, the credibility came from the science, right? Well, of course, uh, Dr. Key, uh, T. Colin Campbell is often called the, the father of plant-based nutrition science. So uh, his father and other leaders in the plant-based movement had researched and proven the science. So we were able to uh, use that credibility. Uh, but then the authenticity came from Nelson and the team, including myself, where we were living the lifestyle. We had group leaders all around the world uh, and other people sharing their testimonials, again, providing credibility, but also providing authenticity. And we were very transparent. We shared our mission uh, through uh, our visibility, which is the next thing, where we were uh, sharing it with everybody and anyone through digital marketing, through a film, Plant Your Nation, which was in 100 theaters in the U.S., and on Netflix and on Amazon and iTunes, you know, we, we created a 
network or a support network of 400 local plant-based support groups around the world uh, and even created a whole line of like affordable whole food plant-based meals that were in grocery stores and on Amazon and Walmart online. I, and ultimately, because of the work that we were doing, a nonprofit was spun off to keep make this healthy food accessible to low-income neighborhoods and food deserts. So if you take a look at all the things we were doing, um, one word sums it up, share. Mm. Everything we were doing was providing people the information that made it easy for them to share. The credibility, all of the research and videos that John Corey, just amazing producer and director, was able to put together uh, with us and the team, all of that information was made available. All the testimonials from the groups, the 400 support groups, all the leaders, all the members were able to share their stories and given the uh, training to share their stories and the technology, the way we're going to share it was made available. Um, everything that we did online, the online summit, the Plant Beer Summit, which had like 22,000 people in it, we didn't talk to each person and bring in 22,000. That was because we provided uh, a way for people to share this information, share the message. And so I say to everybody, the, the magic, if you will, of Plant Pure and its brand really revolved around Nelson's vision around sharing. Got it, got it. I love the fact that you say you made it really easy for people to share because sometimes if people find it complicated, then they just won't do it. It's too hard and everybody's busy. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So now you talked about, I just wanted to touch on the fact you said you built this community of 400 groups across the globe. How did you go about doing that? Like, can you sort of break down some of the steps involved to actually just even make that happen? Because that's a lot of groups. Well, you know, there are, when, when people hear the message of plant-based living or vegan being vegan you know they're going to there people who want to help will end up contacting us so the catch here was making sure that they even knew what we were doing right Right from the get-go nelson made it extremely critical for us to um put together the film for instance right it made it visible. When you have a film that's in theaters or on Netflix, you have literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of visitors coming to you every month. So that visibility ended up having uh, exciting people. And if you, when you can excite people where they're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's what I believe in. How do I get involved? The second part was making sure they knew that there was a way to get involved. So once mm-hmm. they knew the mission... Then it was like, how do I get involved? The pod program, the Plant Pure pod program was designed for that, to help people design, to, if, if they had an existing group, right there, right, right there with the existing group, we would provide assistance uh, to help them grow even bigger. If they didn't have a group, but they wanted to start a local group in their city or town, we provided uh, training and, and education on how to start a group and grow a group and manage a group. Cool. So what did that entail? So what did you actually provide them? Did you provide them with any kind of software or online platform? And what kind yes. of training did you, uh, what, did that, what did that kind of look like? So the, the first thing was building training. So we had documentation that said, here's how you start a group. Here's how you can run a meeting. 
here are some different activities that you can do to at your meetings. Here's how you can find speakers. Hey, here's some ways we can provide speakers to you. So I, we break it into um, three key, what I call critical areas. Uh, we had training and education, uh, advertising and marketing, and uh, operations. So operations was, let's say we wanted to provide them documentation on how to run a group, operate a group, right? So that was operations. Training and education, we provided uh, speakers, uh, classes, uh, scholarships for the leaders to, to uh, get training from the from the Certificate in Plant-Based Nutrition from E. Cornell, from uh, t uh, the T. Colin Campbell Institute. So we were providing support services there. Under advertising and marketing, we provided a platform. We provided a group we had built uh, online where they had their own group, like a mini Facebook group, um, where you know they could uh, have a website, essentially, right there provided for them. So, wow. Wow. so you admin it. So Plant Pure kept control of those so that you kind of were the senior admin on it and then they were added, the local yes. person was added. Okay, that's, that's interesting, cool. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's really helpful. I was wondering how you kind of did that. So obviously, I'm thinking in terms of in order for you to be able to do this, that obviously took a lot of your time or plant peers time. So uh, I, I'm guessing there was obviously some with with that there was you had some funding to do that in order to be able to employ staff such as yourself to actually do that. So I'm just curious for small for a small business wanting to create a community around their brand. I'm just curious as to what tips you can offer if they maybe don't have that. Uh, you know, large budget to, you know, to get things going? You know, there are so many ways right now. I mean, if you take a look at crowdfunding alone, um, there are a lot of crowdfunding platforms, right? You have Indiegogo, you've got Kickstarter, um, and any number of GoFundMe pages and other things to provide you that seed money, if you will, uh, based on your mission. And in digital marketing, um, you have... Um, Social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, all of these channels to get the word out. But one of the key things I think that people forget, because we always hear about marketing, people talk about social media. Uh, but they forget about social influencers. Social influencers are those people that have podcasts, for instance, or that are doing vlogs, or that are out there with um, a large audience already within social media that are wanting to get involved or help people. Um, but again, we call those social inf social influencer campaigns. Um, uh, there are tools out there like Pitchbox or Ninja Outreach. These are tools that allow you to quickly and easily find social influencers that you can connect with. Okay, that's helpful. Right, right. And, and, and obviously with social influence that you have to put some kind of budget aside in order to get them on board, I'm assuming. So no, they're not, not necessarily. Uh, right. Depending on your cause, depending yeah. on your business. Um, you know, they will, uh, in, in our case, people were very passionate, right, about the power of plant-based nutrition. Mm. So uh, wellness coaches, for instance, or health and wellness coaches took to this right away. Um, there were other people who were chefs wanting to promote the plant-based lifestyle. Others that were, and because of the, if you take a look at a plant-based lifestyle, it includes health, animal advocacy, and then sustainability, right? Environment. Yeah. So 
there are so many ways to approach it, so many different influencers with different motivations and, quite frankly, different passions that they're willing to promote, but they need to know about you. So some, but there are some that will charge, uh, and there are platforms out there where you can go on and find people and you'll scope out, um, you'll see how much, how much they want to um, charge, and then you can decide whether or not to work with them. Yeah, sure. Got it. Got it. No, I love that. I think that's really good. And I can imagine obviously people like health coaches and chefs by them being associated with plant pure, which has already got a big buzz around it. It's actually a benefit to them because then people might go, oh, well, okay, I'll sign up to their program to help me, you know, create recipes or, you know, change my, my lifestyle, my eating habits. So I can see how it's very much a, a win-win in that um, situation. And I love how plant pure has sort of grown from being this film to then create this whole brand and doing these really cool things. So I think that's actually something that's, I think, helpful for people to think about is not only are you creating one thing or one product or one service, but you're actually creating a brand and that can have several spin-offs, which can be quite exciting as well as, of course, um, bringing in additional streams of income. Um, so curious then, what, what would you say some of the challenges were of, of doing this community, of managing and building the community? Well, right there. You mentioned us being in different areas uh, and having these different uh, focuses and that could spread, you know, uh, an organization thin, especially if you're a solopreneur, right? Yeah. So in Plant Pure, uh, a lot of the things we were doing, you know, we have uh, in investments, uh, but one thing Nelson was super, super passionate about was not being owned to investors. So he wanted to control the message and his, his passion for helping others, even if it meant slowing down our, our fundraising opportunities with the company in order to keep the message true, he was adamant about that, absolutely adamant that we weren't owned by someone else who could change the message. Right. Uh, so that was a challenge um, because it, it did... We, we turned down opportunities uh, to fund uh, where people are like, well, this is great. This is great food. It's healthy. We had, we had uh, hospitals that were implementing our meals as treatment. Um, and, you know, hey, we want to put in some money, invest, but you will have to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was a stop right there. So that was one problem. The second problem or challenge, should we say, because we overcame it, was having a very small team when people find out i mean think about it we launched the film we launched i mean a 90 minute five minute film on netflix right in 100 theaters we launched this large support group we launched a, a whole line of meals that were when i left we're already in 800 grocery stores and on amazon i mean everything that we had done one of those projects would be a business yeah absolutely little on four and we did it with uh 10 people really <laughs> wow <laughs> you know <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> people don't know that but that's you know when you talk about nelson and and kim and laura dietrich and jason boyer and john Corey and uh staff Brahman and, and 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 myself and and just the whole team there's so many people involved um i say not so many but there was a core group of people we were all wearing multiple hats, you know, yeah. and that, yeah. finding the right team 
was extremely um, fortunate. One, because not always easy. The right team that was willing to work for less than market value, right? <laughs> because of our passion for what we were doing, we knew that. But you know what? Um, that environment was, and knowing what the end goal was and what was at stake, our why, we knew we all had the same why. Right, right. And were you all based in the same geographic area in terms of no. in the state? Was it, were you all in the States or was it international or well, just? We were in the States, but um, I was in North Carolina. I mean, I'm in North Carolina. So I was only two hours from Mebane. Mebane near Raleigh, North Carolina um, is headquarters. But uh, Laura was in uh, Kentucky. Um, we had Steph is in San Diego. Um, you know, we had a, a small group in Mebane, but really we were all over. Right. I think that's good to hear because I think nowadays we can do that. Like, you know, you can have group online meetings with video as if you're in the same room. So I think that that's really good to know that because sometimes when people are looking, I see sometimes I know you and I are only members of a vegan professional network. And sometimes people say, I want a, a vegan professional and they must be in my state or my area. And maybe there's certain reasons, like maybe in accountancy and lawyers, maybe you do because there's certain specific state things that they need to know about. But a lot of the time you you, you can have people working remotely you don't no longer uh, need to be in the same physical area which I think is is fantastic so thank you for sharing that now that's that's really helpful now you mentioned the plant pure summit that, that you ran and I know you are also doing a change leader summit so you're quite experienced with online summits and we see a lot of these um, coming up so it'd be really helpful to just explore that a little bit so um, now typically they they all seem to, I think, whether they're vegan or plant-based or even or, or just kind of generic um, summits, they tend to follow a format of uh, the organizer does a whole load of video interviews um, and they offer them free to consumers for a certain time. Um, Say so they have to watch them in 24 or 48 hours. And then those that want that don't get to do that or that they want to have like a lifetime access or some kind of VIP access, they pay a nominal right. fee. So what are the advantages of that strategy to summit organizers well you know i've done quite a few online summits uh over the years and if you take a look at the benefits overall especially for a brand new entrepreneur um you don't actually have to have a list to build uh, a powerful summit the summit can actually help you build your list mm. as well as generate revenue if you're selling recordings, for instance, right, there's an, often an early bird recording, uh, then you sell a different price point during the summit and then after the price goes up, right? So after the summit, you have a third price level. So you can generate revenue. If you have, depending on the type of speakers that you have, they may have products where you, they have affiliates, uh, affiliate programs. So the organizer can actually earn affiliate revenue from the attendees that are purchasing the products of the speakers themselves. So all of a sudden now, not only can uh, you build, your list, yeah. right? You can build your list. You can generate revenue from the sale of, of recordings, which is why people say at the end, you know, if you 24, 48 hours after you have to buy the recordings, if you want to uh, hear the uh, ones you missed, then you can generate affiliate revenue um, from it. Um, and then at the end, you take the product, meaning the recordings, and you create this. There's so many ways to use that product to, to create giveaways in terms of like 
um, PDFs, right, of certain interviews. You can take the interviews and create an audio library that's available for download for a cost. You can transcribe all of the interviews and then have anywhere from one to three books that come out of the conversations that are there. So and then you can take those interviews, the videos and the transcripts and the audios and create an online course based on that. So you can generate, you can create four or five products from one summit. Wow. You generate revenue all year long. And if you take those videos and you cut them up into chunkable, um, I call them uh, nuggets, right? Where you've got 30 second to a minute to three minute videos. Now you have marketing that's online that then drives traffic back to your site. So you now have this plethora of marketing content um, available, video, audio, text for blogs that you can then use for years, depending on the type of content, uh, your topic. Mm, that's really cool because, I mean, I've been part of, I haven't organized a summit, but I've been part of a, a few summits as a guest. And I hadn't thought, I knew some of those in income streams, but I hadn't thought of some of those others that you mentioned. But one of the quick questions I wanted to ask you then in that case is like, so do you get, like, if you're organizing a summit, do you request like written permission to like, you know, like a, a almost like a media release kind of thing. So to say that, look, you can, as the summit organizer, you can use all the videos in the interviews, however you want in whatever yes. format. Cause I've never had to sign anything like that. I think when I've been part of a summit, so I'm just kind of quite curious, or is it just sort of taken as accepted that, you know, if you're part of this online summit, the person can then do what you said, yeah. like, you know, use the videos and chop them up and, or create blogs, etc. It depends. Like for us, we typically will send an email to say, you know, this is what we plan to do. Do you have a problem with this? Please okay, respond. right. Um, so it's, it's, it's in an email to say this is the instructions. Others will send an actual document. So it'll be a, a, a interviewee or speaker agreement, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, a summit agreement uh, where it'll put that stipulation, we have the right to um, use this uh, in whatever format that we want to. And then you can choose to approve or not. So that's that's the way it should be done. But there are some people that that don't do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just curious because that kind of leads nicely into my next question into sort of what's involved in setting up the summit and how long should you prepare? Because I know certainly from from writing my book where I interviewed over 60 vegan entrepreneurs and I did have those agreements and that was actually quite the, like the book, you know, obviously it took a certain amount of time to write, but actually it was the parts afterwards like chasing people to review their quotes and then actually sign these documents. It was it took quite a lot of time because, you know, people are busy and you've got to kind of yep. G them up a bit. So can you talk a little bit then about what's actually involved in in running uh, an online summit so take us a little bit behind the scenes of, of what's <laughs> entailed in terms of time organization technology any tools or software that you recommend sure okay first thing plan for six months I wow. know. <laughs> i'm glad you said that yeah. <laughs> months to do this right i've tried to okay when i did the plan for the summit we had 60 speakers, 60 speakers in video-based summit, not a phone summit or a tele-summit. This was a web summit. Um, and we basically put it together in two months. Wow. Which was, which was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts because, quite frankly, 
um, six months is what you do for 20 speakers. Yeah. Okay. So you really need to, to do this um, without it. Okay. But I had a team of five people with me. So therein was my power there that I had a very experienced and passionate team that was working 12, 14 hours a day. Um, So we were able to pull that together. But if you don't have 12 to 14 hours and five people, just (laughs) for six months. And what happens is you plan for two months to start to identify your speakers and start to send them notifications. This is what we're doing. And you want to have a landing page that where you explain what the summit is about. Um, And then once you start to to get the ball rolling, these speakers will often lead you to other speakers. Oh, because you ask them. You know, there's a, we have a form email that we send out. And one of those questions is, is there anyone else you think would be perfect for the summit based on our topic? Um, and then, you know, so you'll get other people coming in, even up until the end, you might add in a speaker or two um, further down uh, the six months. But the first two months are really line, lining up the speakers and starting to, 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 to um, um again, build up a, a, a bigger list of, of your dream list, if you will. And hopefully, you know, you get some champions. If I can get 10 champions out of, let's say, 30, um, five to 10 champions, I use those champions' names. So I might say, hey, I've got this summit, you know, <laughs> we'd love you to come. And so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are here with it. You know, and ultimately, like, oh, yeah, I got up. Fear of missing out FOMO. Right. Yeah, fear. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, fair on it. I do that with my podcast sometimes when I send out the invitation. I'm like, oh, and guests so far have included. And then, yeah, you put in the big name. Good. So then people are like, oh, okay. <laughs> you can nail down even three. And I say three, just a number because I call uh, I call it an eagle's claw. If you see one person, you, see, you look another direction, you look another direction. <laughs> if you recognize people... You know, like, oh, okay, well, that that's something I want to be a part of. So definitely the first two months. Then the next two months, you're looking at recording a lot of the, the interviews, right? And you're still finding people, you're recording. And then the last two months, you're focused on marketing. And so on the, on the marketing side, you're putting together, um, remember, it's share, share, share. You're, you want to give these speakers, if, especially if you have no list, you're depending on the speakers and their list of their social media followings uh, and maybe the, an email uh, list and, and some of the things that they do to, to spread the word for you, right? So if you, if you look at it that way, you want to provide, spend more time on marketing that you can build by yourself. For instance, I use Animoto. Uh, Animoto.com allows me to uh, put together short 30-second to a minute, minute and a half videos taking uh, some pictures of the speaker, uh, put in some text, uh, and put in some music, which they have a library you just select. And within 15 minutes, I've got a promo video created specifically for that speaker. Nice. Yeah, and people want to see this. If you go to plantpuresummit.com and click on any of the speaker pictures, you'll see a little bio and a video. And it didn't take us long to create those. I mean, it took us longer just to get the pictures from the speaker. Yes. <laughs> and if they didn't get back to me. I just went online and found their pictures, you know, from their Facebook page or, or from their website. Um, and, you know, no one came back and said, I don't like that picture because I took it straight from the website that they were advertising themselves on. So, and it became a promo video for them that marketed them during 
before, during, and after the summit, long after the summit, because the videos were then made available, you know, on our YouTube channel. So you you spend the next two months building, marketing, things like that, and social media posts that are done, simple copy, paste. You know, you have affiliate links, and the affiliate platform is important because that's yeah. where you're going to provide each of your speakers a link um, that allows them to share that easily with their their I call it tribes. It allows them to share your summit with their tribes and be compensated if someone buys uh, recordings. Well, you typically do a fifty percent, so it's going to be fifty percent. Uh, if, if you're selling your uh, early bird for recordings, forty seven dollars, you're going to give fifty percent of that to the affiliate uh, for someone that's come to the site uh, and purchased a, um, I call it a summit pack. Nice. So, you know, it provides the incentive, doesn't it, for the speakers to share. And it goes yeah. up, right? It goes up. If you got 47 before, 97 during, and 197 after, you know, um, they're making money uh, by directing people all year long to your summit page. Right, because people can buy the VIP access presumably after the event is finished. So they, even if they right. miss the whole date and maybe three months down the track, they go, oh, that looked like a really good yeah. summit. They can still um, buy it. Yeah, great. So it provides a, a potential affiliate income for the speakers, but also the summit organizer. It's something you haven't just done and then it's kind of over. People can continue to, to purchase it, which is brilliant, which is, I suppose, an advantage from, from a live event. Now, you mentioned the six months, Ronnie. Is that six months? Like, so say you've got a, a vegan entrepreneur who's, do you know what I mean? They're all, they've got different streams of income. Maybe they've got clients or they've got products. And then, so is the six months, is that kind of six months flat out? Because I know with crowdfunding, like when I've interviewed, interviewed Demetrius, he said, like, literally, you've got to put that time aside and that's going to be the majority of your time. So is that kind of six months full time, almost full time on this? Um, or well, uh, Okay, let me put it this way. Uh, and maybe I'm a bad person because you know me. I'm a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, right? you are. You're always up late. I know whenever I send you a, a Facebook message and you reply back, I'm like, oh, you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm the wrong person in my team that I work with. And even though I was the chief marketing officer, you know, we were all pretty equal. I mean, because we were, we were a small team. We just, you know, my title was more in name because, uh, when you talk to different people, you need to have that title. So, um, you know, but we were all equal and we were all passionate. So we, we didn't mind putting in the time. But six months is a good time frame if you want to commit four to five hours a week. Okay. Right. Okay. But obviously when we were doing it in two months, that was uh, – 15, 30 hours a week. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because I know you as well, you've also got to, because I know when I've been, one of the things I found as a, a, a summit interviewee that was really helpful is that the summit organizers also provided to it to the speakers social media, like text for social media posts. They'd created memes, like you said, the video that you create, like make it really easy for the speaker. So all we've really got to do is maybe tweak the text a little bit so it's in our language, but it's all done for us. Um, you know, we haven't got to start an email to our newsletter to our list from scratch you know the majority of it is there and that can be quite time consuming especially like you say if you had 60 speakers but even for 20 speakers so I said you've got to build in in the time to do all of that as well to look after the speakers well one of the things that helped us as um I use a tool called social surfboard 
And it's a tool that I actually ended up buying. But Social Surfboard allows me to, it's basically like Hootsuite, but it includes something like Canva together. So it's like Hootsuite on steroids. Oh, wow, okay. I schedule posts, but I can create the content and measure the content in terms of the uh, number of hits and and so on. And there were so many, so we can find content, create content, schedule content, and measure wow. the result all in one tool. And so tools like that allowed us to essentially do more with less. One person could then easily manage five, six accounts, social media accounts, in a fraction of the time. Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing that. I'll put links to some of these that you've mentioned. What about hosting the summit itself? So what platform or technology, like you do the video interviews maybe via Zoom or Skype, however people yes. want to do them. What about actually, and then you have a, la- a landing page for people to opt in, like you could use lead pages or something like that. But what about for actually hosting the, the video? So when people actually go in and, and watch them, what, what do you recommend using for that? Well, you know, it's so, there are a lot of different platforms out there in terms of web. I mean, to me, technology-wise, that's the easiest part. Um, a website, a standard website would, would host these. Uh, we were using Vimeo um, to actually put the, we put the, we uploaded the videos because you could upload HD in HD uh, on Vimeo. It uh, was pretty cost-effective uh, there. And... Uh, we could upload a bunch at one time and, and, and no problem. And it could deliver it fast. So we were streaming from Vimeo and you could lock down videos in terms of like videos could not be embedded in other sites except, you know, for the domain. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So Vimeo was our preferred uh, choice uh, to to host it. And then in terms of a website, we were using WP Engine. Um, so in WP Engine, because we're on WordPress, WP Engine... Um, is built for scalability. So we didn't have problems with bandwidth. Right, because that was the thing, because if you've got like thousands of people playing and streaming the videos from your own website, that can be an issue with bandwidth concept, which I guess is why you used Vimeo. So did you use Vimeo and then embedded onto your yep. website? Okay, yep. so got we, it. We, used, uh, we had our, our hosting provider in terms of the website was WP Engine. Uh, the videos were hosted, the videos themselves were hosted on Vimeo and then we just embed, embedded them in and locked them down to be available only on our website. Oh, got it. And you put them to like only available to people with a link to avoid anyone who hasn't opted into the program to watch them. Yeah, cool. Okay, good. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's really helpful, actually. It's great to get these sort of, yeah, behind the scenes. In terms of your experience, because I know you've been involved with quite a few of them, what would you say the, the percentage or the numbers of people in terms of percentage who actually do sign up for, say, a VIP access pass versus those who just watch the whole lot for free and don't buy anything? You know, it, it really depends on, um, well, there's a lot of different factors, but numbers-wise, I always look at a 5%. Um, five, because, you know, it'll, it'll range anywhere between 2 and 8%, but 5% is the average. So if I'm, if I'm looking there and I say, I've got, uh, you know, 1,000 people that are signing up for my, 1,000 people signing up for the summit, then really you're looking at 50 you know, 50 um, VIPs. 
Got it. Got it. And is there a particular price point that you find that people will pay more willingly? Like I know you mentioned a couple like 47.97 or something or 197. Is there any particular price point that people, is it the more generally speaking, the cheaper it is, the more people will sign up or not Not necessarily? necessarily. Um, You know, there's some debate on from a marketing standpoint. We say the magic seven, right? Ninety-seven, forty-seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like the price point is one is forty-seven, ninety-seven, and then one ninety-seven is, is is a good format to go through. It seems to be a um, a tiered level that um, holds true for pretty much any summit. People are used to that. People won't go. Oh my gosh, that's too much. They'll be like, oh well, that's kind of the standard price, right? Um, you know, for the, the Plant Peer Summit, we, a typical summit has 21 speakers, right? Um, we had 60 speakers. So why technically... Did, why did you decide to go with that amount? You know why? Okay, here's... Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. I know that is a lot. It was I've... supposed to be only 21. And again, we, you know, asked speakers, who would you recommend? And we actually, we had this dream list. And we sent the dream to the dream list, expecting one third of them to come back and say, or two thirds and say, well, we're busy. Uh, they all said yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, then more people were like, well, if you have this person, you got to have this person. And if you got this person, and, and then, you know, so it was just like, you know what? Let's, at first it was just plant-based nutrition people. Then it was like, well, now we got, we want to talk about the impact of the environment and sustainability. So then we, you know, people were like, yeah, what about that? Uh, and so we were getting feedback from our tribe. And, you know, our tribe is a Facebook group, <laughs> email list. And uh, one thing led to another. And it was like, the next thing you know, I'm like, we've got 60 speakers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, you know, each of those speakers, you have to account for the tech setup, getting all the information mm-hmm. from each of the speakers, um, conducting the interview. Uh, and then editing. And for every hour of editing, you have three hours of post-editing. Right. So, you yeah. know, you've got 60 speakers. Guess what? That's four hours times 60. So you're looking at 240 hours of, of editing and, uh, and, and rendering and uh, uploading, uh, you know, just from a time perspective. Yeah. So you have to for that. Got it. So you, you advise, generally speaking, around 20, 2021. I mean, I know I've been involved in ones that have maybe gone up to maybe 30 or something like that, but those are the kind of optimum. But I suppose in your sense, you can kind of create, you could almost bill it as like a deluxe, like the ultimate, like like the Plant Pure Summit is the ultimate with, with 60 videos. Right. But no, that, that's, yeah. And, you know, you, you if you take a look at something like Food Revolution Network uh, and Ocean uh, you know, Robbins and, and John Robbins, they do an amazing, to me, they're the, the, the gold standard, if you will, for, for summits, because they, they get 200,000 plus people, you know, and that, I think they've blown that away um, this past year um, and their summits, but they've been doing it for five years. Uh, and, but they know that numbers matter. Uh, and uh, it, it just snowballs because then people are here at one year and you always plan for the second year and they're like, okay, all these speakers who couldn't make it, who couldn't get in this original 30, right? Uh, or 20 to 30. Don't worry. We're going to sign you up for the next one. Be prepared. So now oh, you're that's already nice. yeah. setting up your next summit. 
That's clever. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's so helpful. That's been really, I know we've talked quite a bit about both the community building and online summit, but I, I think that that is, has been really, uh, really helpful. And I know that's part of what you do in your um, your change leaders. And we'll put a link, of course, to your website, because I know you help vegan entrepreneurs in a, a, a variety of ways. So um, I'm just curious then, Ronnie, just tell us a little bit, just to kind of wrap up, what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brand, which at the moment is the, the change leaders solution, I think is, the, is yep. that right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, Change Leader Solutions is about implementation. I just got tired of of too many change uh, makers and change leaders not really not knowing how to get things done uh, and giving up. So Change Leader Solutions, we do everything from content development to or from building the signature system, you know, this is my five-step system or seven-step system, to building the content for their online course or or membership site, um, doing the uh, technology setup, the website, the learning management system for their course to be delivered, the um, digital marketing, internet, social media, and mobile marketing, to even the PR. So it was meant to be an end-to-end, and we tried to do things within 30 to 90 days. The launching from nothing to 90 days. Got it. Yeah. And when you say we, you've got a system I noticed when I went to your website where you're kind of using external freelancers. Is that right? Yeah, they're actually a core team. So uh, within us, within the company, we have a design branding expert. We've got a digital marketing expert. I've got a content development expert. And a, a lot of them are actually um, family for me because oh, okay. they, we've got people who graduated from Duke in psychology or you know, I've been in, in learning management for 25 years. So all of these pieces together and the people are, we just want no excuses. Let's go big, let's go fast, and let's help people. And, and really, um, I've been spending more time speaking than anything else, getting out there um, and really helping people to stay motivated, get inspired. But But the bigger thing, knowing that we can actually get things done, that they can get things done fast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I know we've, we've kind of talked a bit, we've, we've kind of going over a little bit of time, but yeah, I know obviously with speaking, that's another uh, really useful thing for, for people to do. Um, and I know you're getting out there, particularly with the US speaking at some of the events and uh, it's really good for people. Yeah. To see you live as well as online. I think it's always really nice. I was just in Melbourne recently and it was just really nice connecting with people who you'd only seen with online. And that can be certainly another uh, great way to do this. So uh, yeah, to, to put yourself out there so look that's been wonderful um ronnie you've shared so much really great value and we'll definitely direct people to your website so they can find out more about how you can help them but it's been a real pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for joining me thank you thank you so much katrina so that was ronnie tsunami from change leader solutions you can find out more at changeleadersolutions.com and at ronniesunami.com And those links, as well as links to the Plant-Based Society and Ronnie's Change the World Summit, can be found on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 112. Now for our Vegan Business News Roundup. California-based fast casual food chain Veganburg has opened its latest franchise operation on the West Coast. Hot on the heels of its California franchise launch, the company has confirmed that it's partnered with a franchisee in San Francisco. 
The new store will open mid-2019, likely in the south of Market area. The move is part of the company's drive to offer limited franchise opportunities in California. Since 2010, the fast casual eatery has been serving its take on vegan burgers and other comfort dishes, the most popular being creamy shrooms burger, seaweed fries and sizzling broccoli. So as I said before, franchises are an interesting business model. They can be used for first-time business owners in gaining support and access to systems you can replicate for an already proved model. Or if you have a successful business, it may be an option for you to franchise it. Do make sure that you prove the model first before selling it to others. So I've seen a couple of episodes of Shark Tank where someone's got a successful standalone business and they're running it well in its particular location and they have this great idea, oh, I'm going to franchise it. But unless you've already created one or ideally more uh, other franchises, it can be a hard sell because you haven't actually proved the model. So it's more risky for a first time business owner. So just have a think about that. Um, But if you are uh, in this kind of market, it might be worth checking out franchise to see if it can work for you. A hotel in the UK has launched what's believed to be the country's first all-vegan wedding package, reports Veg News. The Greenhouse Hotel in Bournemouth, England, partnered with local vegan suppliers to provide vegan options for all aspects of the events. Manager Olivia Sullivan said, We'd noticed such an increase in vegan weddings, which had also become so well known among our vegan suppliers, that we decided to create this vegan wedding package. The package includes a catered vegan menu created by hotel head chef Andy Hilton, a vegan wedding cake by Lucy Love to Bake, hair and makeup by cruelty free brand Greener Beauty, vegan footwear by designer Charlotte Mills and organic fair trade wedding flowers by Hillview Flowers and Events. So as veganism becomes more mainstream, we're likely to see more of these kinds of initiatives. Even Vogue noted last year that vegan menus were a top wedding trend in 2017. And this is also a really good example of how collaboration between different businesses can result in a win for everyone, the customer and the various business owners. Finally, a third of Americans consider themselves flexitarian and are looking to eat more vegan food, according to a study conducted by one poll in conjunction with dairy alternative food brand So Delicious Dairy Free. The survey looked at the eating habits of 2,000 Americans and found that nearly 3 in 5, or 59%, eat plant-based meals at least once a day. It also found that more than half, 52% of Americans, are currently trying to incorporate more plant-based meals into their daily lives. One of the main reasons given for the increase in interest and uptake of plant-based foods is that the variety in taste and texture has improved more than ever before, so consumers are happy to eat foods that are healthier for them and more ethical, more environmentally friendly, without feeling that they're depriving themselves. 
And this is something that was discussed on the Future of Plant-Based Business panel that I hosted recently. That's October 2018, if you're listening in the future, at the Adelaide Vegan Festival with Seth Tibbet, founder of Tofurky, and Kale Druin, plant-based consultant at distribution company Botany Group. And we all agreed that healthy and ethical and eco-friendly are all great, but when it comes to food, it must taste, smell and feel good. Otherwise, people's best intentions often just go out the window. So if you're in this space, make sure that your products meet the taste and texture expectations. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.